0: And I will tell you this, when you sell a million dollar house, it's, it's not about the first person come in, they, they're gonna say, yes, I love it. You gotta nurture that person because they may wanna walk in that house two or three times, you know, in order to be comfortable making that million dollar decision. Yeah. And so you gotta understand how to talk to people, you know, yeah. and how to how to relate to people, or how to how to you can't be timid in this market, trying to sell a million dollar houses. You know, you just have to have a different persona about you and you got to have to know how to market really
1: well. Welcome to House Rich, the real estate show. We talk to average people that have done above average things in real estate. Today's guest is Stephen Lewis. He is the co-founder of Inc. Realty, the founder of Home Match X, a digital platform that connects buyers and sellers, and the president of NARAB Dallas. And also the first guest to ever handle on one of my... Uh, my first kind of real estate show like three, four years ago, i call it Drew Television. That, that was, I don't know if you remember that, but that, that, that was a while back. So course, talk to him about uh, his real estate journey, um, being uh, in the tech space, you know, making winning offers in this uh, um, very competitive market and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it'll be a great conversation. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, House Rich, the official brand of home ownership. Use promo code POD, click the link in the bio. And... Uh, Rock some gear for home ownership. So uh, thanks for joining me. Could you introduce yourself to the uh, the good folks?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Stephen Lewis, really like Mr. Mister. My brother David said, founded, co-founder of Inc. Realty Group out here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, started a tech company, Home HomeMatchX, focused on the real estate market and the buyer offers. And then also, uh, man, I started a nonprofit organization doing home buying education, I got a couple of grants along the way. My background is mortgage underwriting as well. So I'm an advocate, nonprofit uh, driven entrepreneur, but also more importantly, NARAB Dallas, which is National Association of Real Estate Brokers. I'm the Dallas president of the 2022 calendar year, and we focus on democracy and housing and educating our community through wealth building real estate goals.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, could you kind of start off talking about your your background? Because, like you said, you got started in underwriting, which is kind of abnormal, I think, for for most. For, wait, one percent of realtors were underwriters, maybe less. Yeah. So you talk yeah. About, testing, yeah sure. You talk about like your background and kind of what got you into um becoming a realtor from from there to, to here, and how maybe underwriting helped in that journey.
0: Yeah. So getting into the underwriting space, it allows you to. For me, I have compassion. You know, mm-hmm. some people are just about pushing paper. You know, either you approve or you do not. But, you know, I look at every person as as a uh, as an individual that I can help. And so really just understanding the underwriting aspect of, you know, the qualification. I'm someone that just looked at this process as a textbook. Like I got to literally pick up the handbook and better understand, you know, how does someone's uh, action has a reaction into their process. And so, uh, by better understanding that, at my last co- at the company I was working with at the time, uh, we I was looking at trying to figure out why was I denying more people than I was approving, and so it's because of the, the the overlays and all these these guideline rules that this company had, and so I had to step aside and say, if only I can get to them first they can have a better, uh, intake process. Okay. And so that's why I started the nonprofit organization. I left that job almost making six figures. Uh, and I got into the space of nonprofit. I was getting my MBA at the time. I put a business plan together, pitched it to the city of Dallas, pitched it to Capital One. They gave me some grant money to start this homebody education class. And I was teaching, you know, uh, People on a weekly basis. They was coming into my office. I got a Regis suite in Irving. Um, I I did classes at uh, City Square in Dallas, you know, at that building on a monthly on a monthly basis, teaching these people how to how to get into the real estate box because they was really finding a house through the City of Dallas programs. And really uh that I started understanding that process and helping people along the way, but I realized that. You know, I wasn't that person to give them access to the key to get into a house if they were unsuccessful going back to that city of Dallas home builder. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, then I sent them out to another person. I was referring more people out than I was bringing in. And so I said, you know what, let me go ahead and renew my real estate license because okay. I got it at the time back in 2010. I just didn't do anything with it going to the corporate sector. And so from there, I got my real estate license back active in 2015. I told the Capital One that I could no longer uh, work their program, and uh, and so I I bet it on myself, and I went straight into real estate.
1: Okay, awesome. And So you you joined um, obviously another brokerage at the at the time, um, and so what what made you actually go um, and start your own brokerage? Like what what uh, what made you do that? Because some people are just realtors. And nothing wrong with that, you know, for, for years and years and years.
0: Yeah, so it it is so one thing that really dawned on to me, I had this vision of ink of ink realty, and uh at the current company I was with, you know, I was on the 80-20 split, and but I didn't really get nothing back in return. But one of the things that I realized is that uh I got knowledge at the time, which is great. So the broker, uh uh Julian, he was a great giving me knowledge, but I didn't really get a lot of uh a lot of the systems that I really needed to be successful, I started paying for a lot of things on my own. But one of the things that I realized is that uh, there's a common denominator on every closing table prior to signing your paper, which is the ink pen. And right. so I said, listen, our goal is to get people to the finish line, not to get excited about the contract, not to get excited because we won in a multiple offer situation, not to get excited because our inspections looks good. But our excitement starts when we got a clear to clear the close and we're actually got an appointment set up to get to that closing table and get to that pen. Because things are not done electronically yet. Things mm-hmm. are still old fashioned. Get that pen out and sign that wet signature. And so that's our focus. That's our goal. And when we started in Realty, my cousin, who was getting ready to have his broker license, Robert Lewis, at the time, he was going to be the broker of record so we can take this off the ground. And so that's what we was able to open up Inc. Realty and now grow it to 17 agents right now.
1: Oh okay, okay, wow. Um, so I do I want to jump back a little bit um because real estate agents are one of those like one of those professions where um people always want to know what what uh realtors make. So, so for some reason it's not rude to ask a realtor what they make, even though it's rude to ask everybody else. And so you talked about you talked about like an 80-20 split. So can you kind of break down like what, what that means as far as because I think people think how hey, you sell a million dollar home, like you're a millionaire. That, that's not the case what can you talk about how like the like from being like a a realtor and like just on average like how much you actually make when you when you sell like a million dollar home just to make the yeah, numbers so
0: on a million dollar property if you negotiated with that seller or uh that buyer is is has negotiated to pay you three percent so on a million dollar deal three percent of a million dollars that's thirty thousand dollars And so on an 80-20 split, which means 20% goes to the brokerage, 80% you keep for yourself. So at 20%, that means we are giving up $6,000 of that $30,000 commission and taking home $24,000. So $6,000, obviously, you know, you can take that over. How many months can you make your mortgage payment of Mm $6,000, maybe two or three? So that's where we looked at. Um, you know, what is that value like at that 80 20 split?
1: Okay, and also, you know, you got obviously you don't just post the home online, you got to do marketing and all that stuff. So, I, th- I think a lot of times folks see, like, money. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they think like uh, and re- realtors are making a, they you can make a lot of money, but I think realtors are making all this money, they're not factoring all the other stuff that goes into the, goes into the issue. Now, you know, why don't you lower your commission and all that stuff? Well, Everybody and you says, gotta have yeah. the
0: support, So you gotta have the systems yeah. and all that in place to justify. That you're going to be giving this amount of money up. You know, am I making more money by giving this money up, or am I just giving it out casually and not seeing a lot of things in return?
1: Okay, cool, cool. Thank you. And so, you know, this we we're talking before we started, you know, this is a very, very, very competitive market. Um, you know, more buyers than than sellers. So, what are some tips you would give folks to help um, you know, win deals in this this market as a as a seller, or excuse me, as a buyer?
0: Yeah, so uh, this market, I just did a special on, on uh, Channel 8 here. We were talking about uh, having thick skin in this marketplace because, you know, you're going to have failed attempts, you know, failing once, failing twice, three. I mean, we. the reason I still do open houses, David, is because I want to hear what these buyers are going through because that's only allows me to educate the buyer that I'm getting ready to bring into my my process, right, and so I have to be able to be my, have my boots on the ground, so I can understand. And when we in these open houses, people are—you can just feel the level of, uh, of 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 you know frustration, and I really want this to work. Uh, I mean, I mean, like they they're saying, how, how many? And I'm actually asking questions: how many? How many offers have you made? You know, some say eight. One person said four. I just did one like two weeks ago. As one said, oh, man, we lost four t- four times. I'm like, wow. But you got to have thick skin in this market. Uh, and you got to be able to tell people, you know, you got to think from an investment mindset. Like, this is an investment. So you might have to don't fall in love with the house, fall in love with the upkeep, because your home is what's going to get you to your next house. And so I'm preaching, make the best investment decision, which is going in. You know, if you may have to waive an inspection, that's fine. Look at the property. I look at the property. It may be that type of house where you just, just say, "Hey, I'm just going to waive the inspection." Still get an inspection after you get under contract, just so you can know what to take care of while you're in. But fall in love with taking care of the home versus, you know, I need to this. I need this is my forever home. Like I don't know if we're going. I don't. I don't know if we're there. Yeah, it's yeah. Just a place to talk about forever homes. You know.
1: Okay, and but, so um,
0: but yeah. So that's that's what I preach.
1: And, and so, um, as a seller, Ozzy, is there anything that can win a deal offer other than offering the highest price? You know, folks say, "Hey, write a nice letter and all this stuff." Is there anything, Ozzy, that beats just the highest offer? You know, all things equal.
0: Yeah. So there is uh, the letters. You start to hear now now about how letters could be discriminatory. You know, okay. uh, you know whether you put a picture on there and it's a black family and okay. that seller may not fall in love they, they may have an issue with a black family coming in or if it's multiple offers and this person chose a black family and then choose another racial may, okay. uh, race family uh sometimes that well that letter is starting to get somewhat of a bad rap when it comes to discrimination in housing okay uh, that's what we're finding out but the the key thing here is your representation the agent that is representing you can be an agent that's an asshole, can be an agent that's a jerk, can be that mm-hmm. agent that is overly aggressive, that makes that listing agent feel uncomfortable about doing business with you because everybody has to be you know, a good person at the same time. And mm-hmm. so my last uh, listing, uh, I'm sorry, my last buyer's uh, contract that I won, I kid you not, uh, I was very humble. I was very nice. I was very like, hey, Justin, what can we do to make this work, man? I mean, my my client, they're going to waive everything you tell them to do. You know, so I'm coming in with that personality. And so he said, and, I, and then we went for it, too. And he said, you know what, Steve, I got a deadline on this house, and the deadline is over. I got one offer that just came in. And, you know, honestly, that guy sounds like a jerk. You know, I really don't want to work with him. But I want to work with you, man. You seem like somebody that's on top of it. You know, your contract came over looking great, smooth. I mean, everything is buttoned up. So I feel like I'm going to have a better process working with you than I am working with somebody else.
1: Okay, so so your realtors. And your realtor matters probably as much as the offer, basically. Realtor
0: matters. And now in these open houses, you starting to see where people are coming in with a realtor.
1: Okay. And so um, just curious, have you... As a seller's agent, have you ever accepted an offer that was less than the max? Just just curious. Is that
0: uh or less than the
1: highest offer, you know what I'm saying? Like
0: uh, honestly, the ones that went for, they went for it, right? Okay. I mean, so it, it makes it very hard uh to you know try to accept something that's eighty thousand dollar gap between the yeah. Next yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I would i tell you this though, uh, one of our agents in-house. Uh, he did accept an offer that come his his seller did accept an offer less than what the highest offer was going for mm-hmm. he felt that uh, they were going to have a better outcome working with this person and they waived all this mm-hmm. uh the type the financing you know I'll, that sometimes has a play but um they waived this they waived that they waived the moon and it was less and so they decided to work with this offer versus the highest offer on the table
1: Okay, cool, cool, cool. Thank you. And so can you talk about waiving the inspection? Because some folks will say never waive the inspection. Obviously, as a realtor, you have more um, experience than, than just your average Joe when it comes to, you know, homes and stuff like that. But folks will say sometimes, you know, never waive your inspection because, you know, the roof, you know, it could be a $20,000 issue with the roof or something like that. And I know you mentioned do the inspection afterwards. So like, let's say you waive your inspection, and then you find like something that's, very bad. Like what, 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 what would you do kind of like in that scenario?
0: Yeah. Um, unfortunately I haven't had that. Uh, but, um, you know, I would say that if you're waiving the inspection, one, you got to look at that seller disclosure. You got to understand on the seller disclosure has, has there been anything, uh, done to the property that, uh, is on the disclosure that you feel uncomfortable with, because if that's the case, then waiving the inspection may not be something that you are going to you know feel good about this entire process so the roof that may that age of the roof may be listed on that seller disclosure that's great you know so now you have that information the age of the home does matter you know so i'm not going to say hey wave the inspection on the 1960s that may not be the best case <laughs> got you, got you. but uh, but age does matter when it comes to waving the inspection uh, but you just got to be confident. Your agent got to feel real good. You got to better yourself uh, and still get the inspection. The last inspection that we weighed was a 2000 and I think it was 2009 con, uh, townhouse. And we did weigh the inspection. I would say this. The owners seem to have taken good care of that house. Okay. Pride of ownership matters when it comes to waiving an inspection. If somebody lived in that house pretty hard, that may not be the house that you want to waive that inspection on. Because what else is they neglecting that house that is going to fall apart immediately once you live in it?
1: Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, case by case, basically, you're not waving the, the old house from the horror movie with all the, the creaky stairs and all. <laughs> hey,
0: right, right. hey, but check this out uh, what people are doing now, if, if they're not waving the inspection, uh, they are being aggressive on the option fee. So I, okay. I started this last year where I, I, my client last year we put up like $1,400 for the option fee uh for the fee with a two-day option option period like we just need two days because you're not backing out of this house but for your peace of mind you know we're gonna just do the inspection and so she put up the 1400 knowing and I just said hey just look at this like an additional earnest money you know you're just gonna it's just in another section of the contract and so I started 1400 last year now you're starting to see what people are doing now a thousand dollars, you know, a thousand dollars seem to be the norm now. Like thousand dollars for four days, thousand dollars for five days, you know. But we were doing this last year, but I was like up in the price, shorting the days. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't blow as one day for like a thousand dollars.
1: You know, can you break down a little bit more what that option fee is and option period is very important. So, uh, and that's
0: one of the things that we're advising uh, that I'm talking to my clients how to be competitive is about the uh, the option fee. Uh, because that does matter. So the option fee basically is the unrestricted right to terminate your contract due to either repairs or maybe you got the, the some jitters and you, you you felt like you overpaying or whatever that case, or maybe your lender just said, hey, Johnny, I don't think this is a good fit within that timeline. So you got out real fast. But either way, it's your unrestricted right to terminate due to repairs. So if something fell apart in that house during the inspection or you didn't necessarily love that house and based on that, what that report said, you can back out of that contract. You will lose your inspection, your option fee that you put up because the seller taking that house off the market, right, for that time period. They lost another contract because they decided to work with you. So They took the house off the market, so that's recourse. So your $1,000 or whatever, that's gonna go back into their pockets so they can put it back on the market because they lost days on market already. And so you lose not only that fee, but you also lose the inspection fee that you pay that inspector to go inspect that house. That's an optional uh, process. So you lose, so that just goes to that inspector. They get paid. You get paid because uh, they got paid for your peace of mind. And that's what the inspection process is all about. So we're starting to see people go very aggressive because the likelihood of them backing out of that contract is low. And so they, they are willing to put up the extra money for their peace of mind, even though they have no intentions of backing out of this contract. At least I would say that they have no intentions, but anything could happen.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, makes sense. So like, like you said, it, it's kind of like, Extra earnest, money. So, I mean, like you're putting down that $400. It's not like it's unless you back out, obviously, it's not gone, it goes towards your closing costs and yeah, all that. Absolutely. And it, as a point of reference, I think when I bought my condo in Dallas, like in 2017, I'm, my option fee may have been like $100 for, yeah, for seven days. Day, so, we yeah. was at 100, 100,
0: yeah. $100 for seven days, yeah. 250 for seven days. But we just started to creep on up with the market.
1: Okay, it's cool. Thank you uh, for that, 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 uh, that breakdown there. Uh, that's that's a that's a good uh, good move to make. Um, and so I know it's a super competitive market. I know recently, or I guess recently is all relative, but you actually built like a, a duplex in, in Dallas. Was that because you you couldn't yeah. like find a find a home, or what was what what spawned that?
0: Yeah. So I uh, so there was another property that I, that I lost out on. It was two acres in Middlelothian out here, which is a very hot area. And uh, it was actually my own client that was selling it. I just wish that I didn't list it and I actually bought it from him. And so I was re- at that moment, my mind said, I got to buy land. And so I got to do something with it. And uh, honestly, my dad brought a, a a lot to me in Dallas, West Oak Cliff. He said, son, you, you might want to take this property. I mean, it's a lot. I hold it for you so you can buy it. You just got to get your financing or you got to figure out how you're going to pay for it. And so uh, it was zoned, multifamily, and I didn't have to re-get it, rezone. I didn't have to do anything. And so uh, I actually bought the lot, and I, I got it. I got to a small bank that I've uh, that allowed me to take out a, a lot loan. Okay, you, know, you can't go to Jake, Morgan, Chase talking about <laughs> a lot loan. You, know? yeah. you can go to Wells. You can't go to some of these places, these lenders talking about, yeah, let me get a loan so I can buy this lot. Uh, and so uh, I went to a small bank uh that I found out about through one of my fraternity brothers who I was working with at the time I'm trying to understand how did he get that lot on that with that mobile home get finance who would finance that yeah. and so once he got once I got connected to his 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 finance person it all made sense so I was now that person that can do the same thing and so uh fast forward
1: real, 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 real quick can you Go talk ahead. about how the how you finance a, a lot just because like I said I, it, it seems nearly, I'm not sure what you pay for a lot, I'm going ask you, but it always seems like nearly impossible to finance a lot, because typically they're only a couple thousand dollars, and folks, like you said, folks don't want to do that long, you can't go to Chase and do that. Like, is, is it the same qualification process as getting a mortgage, like you show your, I guess, you your tax returns, or like, how do you actually go through the, what's the, uh, the process for that?
0: Yeah, so honestly, some of these small banks, if, if the deal makes sense, the deal makes sense. Okay. You know, I, I feel like they make a lot of their money on interest
1: okay. you know, and
0: closing costs. And so, uh, which is most of them do. And so, uh, they have a 20, they have a, um, a 25% down payment rule. So in this case that my lot was like, you know, $60,000. I just, I put down 25%, you know, to get it financed. And, you know, at the time I was like, well, how much can I afford, you know, uh, more because I just bought a house. And so they say, well, you know, you got this much buying power, you know, it's still left. And I was like, okay, so let me go ahead and get this lot, you know, let's finance this. My payments was like four hundred fifty bucks because it was an interest, it was a principal and interest payment that was amortized over twenty years, but you got to pay it off in five years. Okay, so that's why the the loan payment was every month was less, so I could afford, you know, four hundred extra dollars a month just to hold on to the lot while I work on my plans. Like, what am I going to do with this lot now that it's in my possession?
1: Okay.
0: So that's, that's so 25% is what lenders will, it's an in-house deal anyway, it's an in-house loan. In-house loan means that the bank, they don't resell it, they hold it on their books, uh, on their balance sheet and everything like that. And okay. so they can do whatever they want to do with it, it's theirs, they are in control of that loan process. And so, uh, you know, fast forward, was what I had to put down. I closed on it less than 30 days later. And now I had it. And now I say, okay, now I'm just going to focus on the plans. I got my plans together. Uh, I went through my budget sheet, uh, you know, working with my dad, who's a builder. We put a a budget together and um, got contractors, hired construction manager, got the crews, got a, knew what I wanted to do as a, a nice 38 total square footage is 3,800, which I didn't know at the time, David, that when you build in a house, you know, um, builders, their cost they look at the total square footage versus the living. So mm-hmm. everything under the roof is how they will upcharge on electrical, upcharge on plumbing, upcharge on foundation. Like the whole nine is not about building a house on living. it's about building a house like what is this total square footage this house is going to be? It's total of thirty eight hundred, but everything under living is thirty one hundred. okay that, that makes sense
1: yeah, yeah, yeah um and so just just curious like what I don't know if you, this is too personal but just curious like what's the typical interest rate on like the uh the finance lot I'm just just curious.
0: Man, it, awesome! Uh, five percent is what I got. You know, okay. right? so which is great. So yeah, okay. This process for me, it's like I, you know, there's nothing to hide, right? So, yeah. uh, I mean, my interest rate was five percent, and you know, very super low. I mean, very comfortable with yeah, yeah. the market, on on an in-house deal. You okay. Know?
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah, if if I, if I were to guess, I assume you were going to say something like maybe eight, nine, ten percent. So yeah, that, that's that's almost just a, a regular mortgage with bad credit, you know, five five percent. So yeah, that's 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 a, um, a good deal. Um, and so we you talked about the plans. How did you come up with like the plans for the for the home?
0: Well, so I I reached out to a couple architects uh, that will help me design the plans, uh, but one was a little more expensive than the other, and I I went to some other builder contacts I have in my network. And then I reached out to, I said, hey, I did look at other plans online first. I knew that I wanted to create my own. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to uh, bring in plans from other plans that I've seen and take a little bit of piece here and there and and do my own. And so, uh, sort of the finishing piece on my plan uh, was actually a, a plan that's from the house that i'm living in right now i said oh i like this little pocket area okay right here and so i was able to fit that into the plan so i got with the architect we probably went back and forth with like maybe five revisions going back to each other until we got it right and so but even during the permitting process the city of the city of dallas there were some issues that they wanted to see, uh, that the plans didn't have, but they wanted to see, so we had to go back and correct some things with the architect. So the job is not done with the plans, because once you go through the permitting process, the city of Dallas or any city may have certain concerns that may require you to go back to your architect to redesign the plans and then resubmit it so they can approve that.
1: Okay, cool, thank you. And just curious, how long did that process uh, take from when you, you know, you from when the plans were approved, I guess how long did it take the plans to get approved? Or how long did it take to, to like kind of like build build the home?
0: Yeah, so I for the plans to be approved, you probably for the permit, you probably uh it probably takes about I think I think the city with with COVID the city was at about two to three months by two to three months, and it takes about I would say about six months to build. I actually think I could have built it in four months. Okay. Uh, it was just some some. Some hiccups or more delays along the way. Uh, some prices started changing during the heat of the market. So I had to figure out, you know, uh, who I'm going to bring in, move some money around because you're you're working off of a draw schedule with the bank. And so uh, that's that next part of the process where you have to have your process button up. I actually brought a CPA into my process so we can, so I needed somebody else that's a little bit more number savvy Sure. To better understand how we can move these numbers around because it's, when you want a draw, that you're not just asking for draws for a thousand dollars. Now these guys, they want draws of eight thousand. It makes sense because the inspector that's inspecting the house on every draw is a hundred and fifty dollars, right? So you gotta be very cautious about and they and that money is built up to the very end when they pay your final draw. They're gonna they're gonna say this is how many times the inspector went out on draw number eleven. And so we're gonna to have to reduce this out of your final draw, and so you gotta be very careful. And and it, it wastes time for them to to do a thousand dollar draw. Now a thousand dollars and you borrowing three hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, no, that, that doesn't make sense. So we, so um, that those are some of the things I learned early on. And then at the very kind of like the middle and towards the end of the process, we were bit, we was rolling. But during the course. Our lumber costs went up and we did have to bring in a a third party investor uh, and had to pay him once we got done. But uh, we did have to do that. But so that's why your network is is very key uh, during this entire process as well. But luckily, I'm part of an investment group that I was able to tap into my own investment network and then give my own investment group that return on their investment.
1: Okay, okay, cool, cool. Dope your your network is your net worth as I, I said. Um, so so I want to jump into your um your tech company, Home Match, Home Match X. You talk about you know what that is and why you um why you formed that?
0: Yeah, so Home Match X, we uh so it was something back in 2019. We we decided to look at the market and say, and so my mind is I want to get ahead of the market. So my aspect of getting ahead of the market, I'm like you know, David is buying the house in like six months, and there may be a, a seller that's going to be selling in six months. And I would love to connect David and pair David with that seller that's at that future timeline. So David already knows what he's going to be walking into when his moment of time meets his current moment. And so uh, that was more of that online dating for real estate aspect. And so, uh, I, and so that was the process we, we started out with initially, David. And so, but it wasn't until the pandemic happened where we made a a key fundamental shift and because we were doing these fireside chats with these real estate uh, agents in New York and LA and and really picking their brain about um, the clientele industry. And one of the things that we found out is that people, if I'm representing David uh, as a buyer and he's six months out, an agent doesn't necessarily want to put David out there because they think that David is going to be looking to work with another agent down the line. And so people were shelling, they want to shell and protect their clients and not give them the ability to be out there looking in advance. And so uh, because of that, we uh, we decided to look at where the real estate market is going. And so we understood, like, who has the power in a real estate transaction? Uh, We know who has the control, which is the seller, right? Mm -hmm. They have the control. But who has the power? And so the power is the listing agent. The listing agent has the power. They are putting the house on the market at a certain price. They're doing all the marketing and everything like that. And they are helping that seller decide which offer is the best offer to select based on their, their knowledge and expert. And so we say, you know, we're going to create this process where as a listing agent, we're going to tell the buyer's agent how to submit their offer to purchase a home that I'm representing. And so now we created this dynamic platform where you no longer have to email your offers to the listing agent. The listing agent can require that you upload your contract, your offer package through this portal so that they can provide a better delivery and a breakdown of this offer. And it's bringing out all the analytical offer data. So it's pulling in all the data in that offer and it's giving that seller a true transparency process so they can better understand how all the terms are set up. And they can understand that if if the listing agent is actually sharing all the offers that are coming in on that particular listing, because let's be honest, there are agents that are not following their code of ethics and only sharing offers that that meets their best interest, but not the best interest of the seller. Okay. And so because of that, we decided to create this transparency process, but it just morphed into something much bigger because now we have the ability as a brokerage to look at everyone's buy, the, the every buyer's agent's Uh, uh, representing client buying power to better understand how competitive we need to be if our clients is going to be now buying in that market because we now have access to all the offers from that listing. We now know how we need to approach this market when we're going to be buying in that area because we have access and information on the offers that came in. And it's likely that buyers are going to be hanging around these communities because it's so challenging to get in now they're going to be hanging around these communities for months and now we have the option to understand how these buyers uh how they're set up how their how their financial uh makeup is in terms of being competitive and so now we can create a competitive market and for everybody
1: okay okay cool so you're saying the So like um if you make an offer, you can actually see other other buyers offers as well, you're saying? Yeah,
0: so in-house. So the broker owns the list, the broker owns the listing, the team leads. So we have the ability to see Johnny's favorite VIP client offer on a home that they lost out on. And so we have access to seeing their terms so that we can, as a buyer's agent, we can help our client make a better, a better offer than your VIP client.
1: So, so you can see that in in real time or you can see it after the fact it's real time okay oh, okay wow okay okay so what what what's and maybe this is the thing so what stops me from like uh you know home is five hundred thousand offer five ten. I see someone that offers five fifteen. So if I see the five fifteen, I can just offer five twenty. Like I can just look at it. And no, see?
0: not not that. So not in not in that real time. So this is more once it goes under contract.
1: Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. It
0: goes under contract. Okay. And another property pops up in that neighborhood. Oh, oh okay, okay that, I, I got if you. The okay. Visuals lost. Then you have the ability to see the losers. You know, so so that way you can trump the losers, so you can win. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It does. I so saying, that's I would saying. Okay, likely, that's, that's kind of like. It's,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's likely they're going to still be buying in that neighborhood.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. That, okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. I was like, so you can just keep seeing everyone's offering. I, in and just, okay. Okay.
0: Okay. That, that, no, that, 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 in that case, uh-huh. but uh, but it's more of a transparent process that we uh-huh. put out, that we put that we put out to the market, and now demoing to other brokerages and other agents.
1: Oh, okay. Awesome. And so how, how do you go about, how do you go about like setting, it seems like a, a lot, like, I, I don't even know how to, I barely know how to build a website. And so like, um, how, how do you go about, I don't know, for lack of a better term, just doing that? You just, you hire like a, a tech people. Like, how do you even build like the, the website or platform to even do that?
0: Yeah. So it starts with uh, understanding the idea. Like, what do you want? what are you looking for? And you got, there's just terms in the tech space called the wireframe, which is like the basics. Like okay. I need to sign in. I need a front. I need the front end. I need the back end, and then from there, this is the core. And then you building on top of the core, which is all the flashes, all the buttons, all like for like like from a zoom perspective. There was a video. There was a video that says join and leave. Now you once you got join and leave, now you can start to add in you know the the uh, participants, the recording the reactions and all these different things. And so I I hired, uh, there was this app called Shaper that uh, I use, uh, SHAPR, and basically it connects you with skills, with skilled workers. Okay. That you're looking for, it's like, what are you looking for? I'm looking to build a website. Okay, so it's going to help match you with people that can know how to build websites. website. So I connected with uh, a, uh, a software engineer, you know, uh, in Canada. He helped me with the wireframe. But once it got to, complex then we just outsource that into uh offshore basically
1: okay oh okay like i said i, I didn't know your technical background but i i, I don't want to say if you didn't feel it because but i didn't I'm think you're a you
0: technical founder i got everything yeah. is here
1: yeah so you so got I'm the idea on the way okay okay oh, okay okay awesome awesome and so um is it is it nationwide like if i'm i'm in dc can i Log on the website and find a place? Is it, is it, or is it in certain like areas of the?
0: Yeah, so we connected, we connected this system to the MLS locally. Okay. So once an agent uh, puts in their, their license number, they're going to instantly see their listing on our platform with a make an offer button. The big goal, the big vision is to get this out to the MLS. So the MLS doesn't have a make an offer button right now. So at some point you got to get outside of this email, you know, process, email, email your offer here. Hey, can you confirm receipt? David, you was on those emails, right? When people made offers and stuff like that, you know, so right now we're, we're not even, we're not even focused on that process. And so uh, when you do, like we get conversations in Atlanta, we get conversations uh, in New York. And so you can manually input your listing into the platform and start to receive offers through the system so you can digest it easily because this is a multiple offer tool. If you got a hundred offers that comes in, you're not getting hundred emails. I would say this, you're getting a hundred text messages because sure. our, system is, our system is text driven, it's push notifications out the wazoo. So you're getting text notification when offer comes in, but it's a multiple offer spreadsheet. That's built in where all hundred offers are on a single spreadsheet that when they come in, you just click one button that says create spreadsheet and it will download all those offers uh, on a single spreadsheet, which is so fascinating in this marketplace. Uh, but we in the process now having conversation with top brokers, top brokerages uh, at a high level about what does it look like uh, bringing our platform into your top your. Your company due to your market share.
1: Oh, okay, okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for that. Um, and so, all the information for that will actually be in the, the link to this episode. If you guys uh, definitely want to check out that uh, that website there. So, I want to talk about the uh, the um, kind of moving into like the million dollar space. Now, everyone sees the shows million dollars in New York, LA, and all that, but obviously, it's very hard to. Well, I guess most realtors don't start out, you know, moving that space. I saw recently, you know, you saw like a million dollar home. Um, um I, I saw that so uh that's that's tough congrats on that but how do you actually get into that that space um to to begin I mean, with
0: you know what it's your network i, I mean okay. i think that uh you know there's a lot of people like right now social media is a big thing so people are are showing million dollar interior designs you know so so they can be so they can be associated with selling million dollar properties right but also you have to surround yourself around people that are at that level. And so this particular listing, uh, was a fraternity brother, you know, that right. i had a strong relationship with and, uh, and trusted me, like nobody just going to trust you, you know, with a million dollar deal. Right. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but he, he, he brought me in, he, he, he love, uh, you know, if you are who you are at this level, then you are who you are at the next level. So one thing that changes, and you just you just up in your taste, uh, and you just up in your level of of attentiveness. And so what happens uh, is is that one thing I realized, David, is that on these million dollar deals, like these are just average people. They just got bigger pockets. They just make a little. <laughs> they just make a little more money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Than I do, but they are average people. You know, like when I probably did about ten open houses. To grind out and sell this particular property. I'm like every other weekend, every weekend, I was doing open house to bring people in. And I will tell you this. When you sell a million dollar house, it's, it's not about the first person come in, they, they're going to say, yes, I love it. You got to nurture that person because they may want to walk in that house two or three times, you know, in order to be comfortable making that million dollar decision. Yeah. And so you got to understand how to talk to people. You know, oh. and how to how to relate to people, how to how to you can't be timid in this market trying to sell me another houses. You know, you just have to have a different persona about you, and you got to have to know how to market really well.
1: Okay, you know, I was saying this. I, the reason I know this, I was, I saw it online, but there's some pretty cool videos. Like I seen you, yeah. I seen the aerial photos and and the, the drone footage and all that So yeah, you gotta 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 market it too. Yeah, it was, you gotta market it. very well.
0: Yeah, you gotta. <laughs> Yo, one, you got to spend some money, right, Dave? You yeah. can't be a listing agent and be broke, right? Because yeah. you're gonna have to spend some money. You got to borrow some money somehow. But uh, yeah, once we, once things are not working, you don't just sit in a shell, you know, and you sit more like in a, uh, a, a, almost like a think tank. Oh, you know, what I'm saying that's what you need to sit into because you got to be thinking about how to get this property off your books mm-hmm. because I don't like properties to hang out longer than three weeks. I don't even like to have buyers hang out longer than three weeks. So now you become a think tank of your own thinking to decide what do you need to do? And that's where that pool video came up. We're gonna throw a pool party. I talked to my my video guy. I said, we came together and said, we're gonna do a pool party, make this thing uh, nice and public, make it intimate. And so uh, we wanted to just say Sunday fun day, catch the, catch the vibe. And this is how you can enjoy And what ended up happening, I, a, genera- a multi-generational family end up buying the property anyway. And that's some of the things that people ain't even talking about when it comes to these high-priced homes, how these homes are being attracted by
1: multi-generational living. And you, t- you t- talk about what, what that is? When talk about multi-generational living or families?
0: Yeah, so multi-generational living, it has a lot to do with the grandmother living in the house. You've been, uh, that's, that's your mother. You got your kids. That's their grandmother. You like you have that three-level deep of, of generation. It could be fourth level deep, because maybe there's that great grandmother that's in that house. But or maybe you got cousins. Like this is where that, that generational living comes to mind. And there's a room for every family to enjoy their space. And you know, there everyone's contributing to the mortgage. Uh, every, you know, one person may fill the down payment, like you may only have two people on the loan, or on one person, but they got the down payment and it can be down payment from family, uh, but they contributing to the monthly payment because now it's about the investment on the upside, it's the equity, right? But if, the, if they got kids, you know, that's gonna be going to college, in, you know, in 15 years and with that multi-generational setup in that property, you can get to uh, paying off that house much faster, okay. and that's what people are doing when you're thinking about how can I pay a million dollar house off in, you know, in fifteen years. Multi generational living will allow you to do that.
1: Sure, okay, okay, no, um, so um, we respect to your time. I just got two, got two more two more questions for you, um, and so you also that you know the president of of NARAB. Dallas, Uh know you, you mentioned, you know, one of your models for this year, I guess for this year forever is, you know, protect your equity. you can talk about the organization and kind of what um, what you're doing as president and just kind of what the organization does in, in general?
0: Yeah. So uh, protect your equity mindset. This year, uh, I gave everybody shirts coming into being installed of uh, home equity matters. So NARAB Dallas, again, National Association of Real Estate Brokers, we focus on democracy and housing our our tagline is real test real test we we are we are called real test because we could not become a real tour which is the trademark uh, which is associated with the national association of real of, of real tours so nar is where you you can google it right now nar is associated with real tours and so our organization was founded in 1947. And so you, as a Black professional, real estate professional, you were not allowed to be invited or to, be, uh, to have access into the National Association of Realtors. It wasn't until 1961 that Blacks were allowed to become Realtors. So from 1947 all the way through, we are real test because there was discrimination in housing even at the national level. And so because of that, uh, it wasn't even until 1970s where they finally came, to, NAR finally came to terms with being on the right side of history versus the wrong side. So now you're talking about in 1961 whereas you were allowed to be invited as a realtor but it wasn't until the seventies where they felt comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Started changing up all the laws It's like, okay, yeah, we got, now it's time to be on the right side. But Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We were fighting uh, the housing issues alongside with him. He was invited to our uh, national convention, you know, to support uh, what we were doing with our boots on the ground. So now we have over 90 chapters worldwide uh, in the United States that is focused on the mission of democracy and housing. And so what we're doing in our communities, we're educating our communities with home buying education program. Now we're talking about, this is more wealth building uh, opportunities now. So whether it's tax information, where it, whether it's conversations like what David is talking about, what he's doing right now, to get our people off the sidelines, because our home ownership rate is in the lower 40s, like 41% opposed to, uh, so the Hispanic population, you know, they had, uh they near 50% uh, white families, uh, they at 75%, the Asian community, they up there. So we at the lowest of the totem pole because it's hard to get our people off the sidelines. And so we are doing everything that we can right now to educate our community when it comes to, uh, cr- when it comes to creating wealth through real estate. And so uh, we're heading into our uh, our realtors week, which is uh, April third through the ninth. And so we have like pillars. We're talking about getting involved uh, real estate through the church. You know, uh, church is a big deal in our community. Let's you know it is. We we know that. And so now we're talking about creating wealth through the church and the church's people. Uh, creating uh, women in investing in real estate is a big deal. Uh, women or make up a higher percentage of of those buying home ownership than males, you know? So women are going after it. It's, it's that married couples? then it's women, and then it's the males. Us single males can't get right, you know? So <laughs> so everything that we're doing right now focus on creating wealth
1: through our communities. Okay, okay, thank you. And I think interesting about those the stats See, you broke down is one, like um, there's a, a direct correlation between net worth too. So you look at like, you know, we're like 41%. Whites are at like, I think like 71%. And like um ten, ten times the you know the net worth. So obviously there are historical things where you know we weren't even allowed to to buy houses in certain areas until like 1968 um, with the Fair Housing Act. But um no, yeah, we got we gotta we gotta gotta to, got to catch up by any means. So that's what the organization is definitely uh, helping with and uh and uh, Steven's help, you know, push it forward as a president. So um Absolutely my last question, um I want to ask, ask every guest this this last question. Um if you have a million dollars, you have a million dollars, you have a week to spend it on something real estate adjacent, what would you use it for?
0: Oh, if I have a, a million dollars to spend it on real estate adjacent.
1: Yeah, real estate, real estate adjacent, anything real estate related. But you got you to gotta spend it in a week. What would you do with it?
0: You know what? I will actually, you know, I would buy at least – well, I'll buy properties. I buy properties all cash. And the reason why I would say that is because one of the things that I realized is that um, is that if you I would buy land and real estate because on the real estate piece of it, like if you buy a property, if you put five hundred or three hundred thousand dollars into a property right now and that you rented it out for twenty five hundred a month or three thousand dollars a month on a on a property that's a three 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 hundred thousand dollars you can actually make $36,000 on that $300,000 investment. And let's just say that uh, in that next year, it grew, you know, $350,000. So you just made $50,000 on top of that $300,000 investment plus $36,000 that you got in monthly income that came in off that. So that's a total of $86,000 in one single year just by putting money in a piece of real estate. So that's what cash is doing to a lot of people in this marketplace is taking the interest out of it. It's just saying, this is the new bank account. You know what I'm saying? And so a million dollars in my bank account is not healthy. A million dollars in real estate is the best thing that, that that drives my health meter. You know, so that's the that's how I would look at it is how can I break down this million dollars and put it into real estate, all cash, because I know that I'm going to, I'm going to keep it as a rental for at least a year and make that residual and and take that equity and keep rolling with my process.
1: Okay. Okay. Dope. Dope. Thank you. Um, so once again, I appreciate your time. Where can the the good folks find you at?
0: Absolutely. So connect with me via social media, uh, on all platforms of Steve ink realty That's Steve I N K realty R E A L R E A L T Y. I also have a website called thisissteve.co. That's me. Uh, Feel free to give me a holler. I always drop my number in case somebody wants to reach me, 214-991-4147. But follow our NARAB Dallas page. That's NARAB, N-A-R-E-B, Dallas.org. But once you connect with me on social media, you got me. I got you. And let's connect.
1: Okay, cool. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on the show. And there's no outro, so this show is over. (laughs) That's it.